Welcome to our interview series on Brave Feminine Leadership, where I get to dig into delicious conversations with global leaders. And I get to ask them about women in leadership. I get to hear their stories. And we get to share their wisdom and perspective on life and leadership. And I'm absolutely thrilled today to welcome to our conversation, Kay Clancy. Kay, so lovely to have you with me. Great to be here. Thank you. So, Kay, I'm going to touch for our audience on your bio briefly before I come straight back to you and into the conversation. So let me share a little bit about you. So Kale, Kay, I was going to say Kale. That was Kay Hales. Kay Hales from the UK with a career spanning more than 30 years and her passion's culture with a particular focus on the intersection of task and behaviour. Kay has run her own company, providing consulting services, specialising in leadership change and culture, is the Chief People Officer for Wise Employment, and is a member of the advisory board for the Centre for Optimism. Kay, I also understand that you're the proud mother of three boys and that your dress sense outside of work can be best described as, I didn't think I was getting out of the car. I think we share a similar dress sense. (laughs) Aren't they awkward moments when you realise you have to and you think, oh, wish I'd thought this through? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that really gives me a laugh. So, hey, for anyone in our audience who hasn't had a chance to to meet you before, will you share with us who you are as a human being? Oh, that's such a kind question. Thank you. Um, I... I'm noisy. I'm a noisy human. Um, um, I some might say I'm musically noisy because I do I sing a lot. And my family would say I'm a human jukebox because I can hear a conversation and come up with a song that matches the conversation. Most embarrassingly, I can do that when I'm not in the conversation. So that's that's probably <laughs> that's probably real. Um, as a human, I love people. I get loads of energy from people. I love being around people, and I'm impossibly curious as well. So I like to know what things feel like from where you sit and what things look like and and what your view is. And that's probably the essence of who I am. Oh, I love that. Curious. Uh, and I love the ability to keep your eye on more than one conversation, um, you know, um, at any one point in time. Kate, let's step through. You know, the essence of a lot of my conversations are I'm deeply curious about why there are not more female CEOs. And there's so many directions we can go in this conversation. I'm also deeply grateful for um, a wonderful man who introduced you and I, Peter Harmer. And he and I had a conversation, and I regularly share that conversation with people who circle back to me and say, that's one of the best conversations on leadership I've, mm. I've ever had. He said I had to speak to you, and I'm so deeply curious to understand, <laughs> um, to understand that. So... Let's weave your story into this conversation around perhaps why there aren't more females in um, in CEO roles. Where do we start, do you think? Oh, maybe we start, Melissa, um, at the first time that I recognise that um, I'm different. And I'm going to say I'm different and, and I, will, I will caveat that with we are all different and we are all beautifully different. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I would have been quite young. I was probably 25 or 26 and um, I worked for a bank. And in the bank at the time, it was very male dominated. And anybody who works in banking will tell you, you know, banking of the 80s and 90s was incredibly male dominated. And so there I was um, probably too vibrant, maybe 
there's a debate around that. But um, everything was possible and I just wanted things to be amazing. And I did a presentation to a group of regional, regional managers and the presentation was based around what it would take to create capability uplift. And at the time, compliance was incredibly important. So much of the training was very compliance-led. And by that, I mean, we'd put people through batches of learning and then tick a box and say, right, they're now capable, tick, 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 but didn't really have much um, didn't really have much to reflect what the human needed, the human in front of you. It was more batches of learning. And so I presented what I thought was an incredibly compelling case for individualised learning. And um, and I thought that was really going to help. I thought that was going to tune into how we helped people stay in the bank, how we helped them build their capability and their confidence. And um, after the session, my boss, who was a, 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 a gentleman, he took me to one side and said, I'd love to give you some feedback. And I, I was so happy you know mm -hmm. that thought of great direct on the spot very timely and so I sat with my notepad and my pen very eagerly awaiting the words of wisdom that would help me grow my career and his feedback to me was if you want to be more successful you have to learn to be more vanilla wow so that was the inspiring speech yeah on that day okay it was really inspiring and and I think Oh, the 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 moment of realization or the moment of learning for me wasn't that day because that day was about okay vanilla let's be vanilla that's the thing to be and um what followed was a period of time where um if i translate for you what that feedback does to to did to me as a human it meant i'd open the wardrobe in the morning and go to wear something and then think can i wear this wow I'd look at pairs of shoes and think, can I wear those? And that was on a really practical before I left the building type um, rhythm. Then when I would find myself in conversation or in meetings, how it manifested itself was a thought or a contribution would occur to me and I would filter that through, is this vanilla? And so the moment would pass, the moment in which I could make a contribution or add value would pass. And then I just had this dissonance that just built and built inside of me me that made me feel like I was retreating more into myself mm. in this attempt to be something that I wasn't really sure I was and um, the aha moment came really late one night when I was preparing to present to a similar group of people and back in the day um, <laughs> that for those um, those people who um, are listening who have been in the workforce for longer you might remember the days when we had acetates and we'd have to Draw up the acetates for an overhead projector. Do you remember those times? Um, and for those who don't understand that, you can't easily rectify what you've drawn on an acetate. Like a, a bottle of a block out won't help you. You just have to start again. And in preparing this, I'd spent hours not being happy with what I was drawing. And so I kept screwing up these acetates and throwing them in the bin and starting again. And I suddenly just hit this moment where I thought, this isn't me. This does not feel like me. I am really miserable. And do you know what? If vanilla is what it takes, that's not who I am. And that was my moment where I, where, where I turned to thinking about who am I? What are my strengths? How do I sing my strengths loudly? And how do I put them into places where they can add value rather than trying to put myself in a box? How did you, how did that penny drop? Um, I cried, actually. I have to say to you, it, it was a really emotional penny drop moment when I cried, but I wasn't crying from a, a sense of feeling sorry for myself. I was crying out of sheer frustration and relief of, 
oh, this just, this is not it. This is not what it's about. And the emotion that came with that, the, the, the words that joined the emotion were, then I won't be successful, so be it. You know, that's how, you know, it was kind of that releasing of, of what I was holding on so tightly to. I was holding on to this image of something that just wasn't who I was. A vanilla leader. Yeah, and 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 vanilla's fantastic if that's who you are. So be be who you are, but vanilla wasn't me and still isn't me um, at all. And so making sure that we're really clear about that is so helpful to us. So where did you go from there, Kay? How do you, you know, you've had this aha moment and this sort of feeling of relief, but where to from there? Where to from there was being more intentional about the things I got involved with. So um, some of the learning for me was around not every contribution is one that you will make, you know. So I started to learn about that the intentional nature of looking at an agenda or looking at a conversation and thinking about the pieces that are my contribution to make rather than than thinking I have to contribute to everything, just being intentional about my contributions and making sure that I could contribute well to things in places that I could add value to. So there was a much more intentional path I took after that. And and I say that, although I don't mean intentional in terms of, oh, that's the job I'd like, or that's the job I like. It was more around situational intentional intentionalness. Um, you know, in this situation, what do I what do I want to contribute? Where is my contribution? How can I add value? And so creating opportunities to do more of that. And also to to make a commitment to myself and to those around me that I was always going to show up as my best self Mm. so I'm always going to consciously show up and be present as my best self and the the other penny drop for me Melissa in that whole experience was and and the person who gave me that feedback we've spent time together since um and had a really lovely conversation about it and the realization for me was the intention was good. So his intention was entirely wholesome. Yes. He wasn't trying to to close me down or or make me feel undermined or diminish my my contribution. He was intending to help. So there was a good intention there. So I learned that you, you believe that the other person comes from a place of good intent. The other thing I learned was that the 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 small conversation we had had impact beyond that moment you know so it was a relatively small moment in time but the impact you have on someone with the things you say and the things you do move far beyond the moment and so being really intentional about that and recognizing that the energy I create or the energy I give off impacts those around me and so in creating intentional points in time for those things Talk to me about showing up because I talk about that a lot. Um, you know, I think it's uh, exactly what you said, the the energy, the intent, the, you know, the environment that you create has a massive impact on people. Talk to me about how you show up, how you help other people show up. I think um, one of the things that we suffer with at the moment is um, I call it the busyness syndrome, you know, so you'll hear conversations where someone will say, I'm really busy, and the, and the response will be, well, so am I. I'm so busy. And then you get to trumping each other's busyness. 
not because you're trying to diminish the other person's busyness, but you're trying to keep your seat at the busy table. And so I think showing up is about not looking at the world through your eyes. It's looking at the world through the receiving eyes. So I can only judge showing up by the reactions of those around me. And so if I'm always looking at the world through my agenda, my speed, my busyness, I'm not really showing up to those around me. So taking time and slowing down that, you know, that fast thought, slow thought thing, slowing your thoughts down to kind of go, all right, so I'm about to spend time with this group of people. What is it they need from me? What problems are they seeing? What help can I give them? And then showing up into that moment. And it requires you to just take a moment of reflection. It doesn't need to be long. Sometimes it's as long as a deep breath as you leave a room and enter another where you just go and you ease into being present for that group. But showing up is about knowing or at least having some starting understanding of of where you're heading and the group you're heading into and what they need from you. And and this this also comes back to there's something around um, for me around when you judge your contribution, not everything needs to be said in that moment. And if I'm showing up, I recognize what the room needs. So I might enter a room thinking that we're going to do one thing or to have one conversation, but the need of the room is different. So I, then I I show up and I orient myself to what's needed in the moment. And the conversation that I thought we were going to have, that's not for today. You know, we we put that somewhere else and I release it. So I let go of it so that I can be present for what's happening in the room. So there's a situational awareness and an emotional awareness of those who are in the room. And 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 that's hard. That's hard to do because we're we're agenda led, aren't we? Agenda led, output led, delivery led. Yeah, I need to get this done today so I can put a little tick next to that. You know, I spoke recently um, at International Women's Day and one of the things, this is busyness that you picked up on that I want to ask you about, Um, and we were talking about, um, you know, with the audience around why there aren't more female CEOs. A couple of things they said that were really interesting. One was after I shared some visuals of them, of a lot of female CEOs, wow, we didn't realise there were so many incredible women doing this. And the second thing was around this busyness, around when we look up, what we see is a whole heap of overworked, uh, there till 1am, you know, really, it it doesn't look attractive. I'm not sure why I would want that. Can I ask your perspective on that? It's such a good question, isn't it? Because we, we look to see visuals of what it could look like so I can see myself into that that's why when you apply for a job and you get into the interview process you you feel really connected because you can see yourself there and we look around to see what people around us are are looking like you know do I look do they look happy do they look fulfilled do that all of those things that run subliminally from your business card you know I look to see do you look healthy and happy do you have time do you listen um I know somebody who who didn't ever want to go into senior leadership because she said, "I'll never, I can't wear stilettos all the time." Yes. So I was like, "How? What? What an interesting that, view." That is part of it, though, isn't it? I mean, popping those. Popping Absolutely. Those, you know, I put my high shoes on as I run into the office. It's just like, and it's only fairly recently, wasn't there that um, that article that that 
revealed that PwC at the time were asking for their reception staff to always wear heels, you know. And so we perpetuate this sometimes. Um, and and I, I work with a, a most amazing human. And, um, you know, what, one day we were on a trip and um, we got to a bar after we'd been together for the day we weren't going to a bar just put that out there we went to have a drink to debrief the day and uh, she said I've just got to take my shoes off and spent the evening barefoot because her feet were killing her for the entire time we were together and um but had put up with that all day because that's what's expected of a senior leader to 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 show up um instant in high heels and I was just like that's just incredibly strange mm. So do you, what What do you, um, you know, if I think of your your role today in a, a people-leading um, capacity and organisational level sort of capacity, how do we influence some of those changes for people? You know, how do we, how do we help some of the leaders realise what people are looking at and how do we help some of the leaders deal with this busy, busy, busy? It's so interesting, isn't it? I think, I think. We we have to notice that it's happening first. So that that awareness of what's happening and and I think we have to notice how it's happening through us. So we can't look around and say, isn't everyone busy? I have to notice my own pace and what I play into that. Um and we also have to recognize the shadow we create. So I call it the ripple, because I think it's I don't think it just exists when you're there standing there. I think it exists far after you've left. And so I think we have to we have to model how it needs to be. And so that means sometimes I talk much slower, even though inside my heart's really racing because we're urgent, I just have to slow down. I have to walk a bit slower because I know as I zoom through a room or zoom through an office, that's giving off a message that says, don't touch me, don't come near me, I'm far too busy, back away right now. And and we have to be really conscious. Now, somebody said to me recently, oh, isn't that being inauthentic? And I said, that's such an interesting question. It's it's not being inauthentic if I recognise that the impact I have on those around me matters to mm-hmm. what we're trying to do together mm-hmm. because then my authenticity lives on a layer of what is my leadership purpose, you know? So, so. I, I think that we have several, as leaders, senior leaders, we have different layers of purpose. So there's the purpose of the organisation and we have to be able to be aligned to that. Yes. It's really hard not to. There is, there's also the purpose of the industry or, or the purpose of the team that we're, that we're in. We have to be able to run with that. But then there's our leadership purpose. So we have like organisational purpose, personal purpose, and then leadership purpose, which is slightly different. And so leadership purpose is about creating the best opportunity for our teams and allowing our teams to perform really well. And so if I look at it through those layers, it's not inauthentic to say my role is to create the environment from which my team can grow and thrive, from which the teams that sit with my teams can grow and thrive. And so that's no longer inauthentic mm. because if you if you just want to be really, really um very very black and white about it you say authentic is i'm so busy so i'm going to show you all i'm busy yes as a leader my purpose is to create the environment and therefore i have to be authentic and aligned to that leadership purpose 
in order to make that work. So I think it's it's so complex and layered, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does start with us recognizing the impact we have on those around us, yeah. from the direction we give, the actions we take, um, and and just as our sheer presence creates an impact on those around us. Self awareness, eh? Totally. And we won't get it right all the time, you know. So it doesn't mean you're perfect and you're going to get it right. But it's knowing when I'm acting out of myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll often say to leaders I work with, you know, do you do you know when you get stressed? And some will say, well, yeah, well, no. And then I'll sometimes say to them, um, have you ever had a disproportionately adverse reaction to something small? And everyone can say, oh, yeah, you know yelled at the dog, threw that across the room, shouted at someone I care about. Because we know that we know that we're human and we know that that happens. And so the precursor to that as as us as humans and us as leaders is knowing what the tells are. What's the tell when I'm working up towards that? And if you ask that of yourself, you'll go, oh, I get cross. I sigh a lot. I start banging on the keyboard. I might use more colourful language, but we all will know our tells. And so we have to tune into our tell because our personal rhythm is so impacted biosocially, environmentally. There's so many things that impact our rhythm Mm -hmm. as well as situational impact that we have to know, read the signs in our bodies and our brains. And it's the psychophysio connection, you know. Some people manifest through pain. Some people manifest through headache some people manifest through sight whatever it is know what yours is and when you hear it start to rise extract you know you need to move yourself from break break the rhythm of what you're in to break the behavior and so i think that awareness is um it's so important and it's important to own that you know and own the awareness that you have and to say i just need five minutes i'll be right back is not going to kill anyone no one will no one will judge you for that now if that's happening every day every meeting we're in a completely different conversation now about where your mental health is and where your where your personal health is but broadly you're right that situation emotional personal um awareness of of how i am traveling today is vital absolutely vital Let me take a brief pause from listening to the podcast for a minute just to check in and see if the conversation's inspiring any new thoughts or any new reflections for you. I hear so often from people in our audience, largely successful and senior professional women, how much they are craving some inspiration into their lives. I would just love to share with you, if you're looking for some, then come and sign up for our Sunday Inspiration email series. You can find a link in the show notes at the end of the show. Now let's get back to the podcast. So back to you and your um, your career and moments in your career, like can you think of a time, well, number one, have you ever had that sort of inner self-doubt about whether I'm capable of stepping up to something? Yeah. I'm not going to say every day, but you do have that. Yeah. You do have those moments when you think, oh, I'm not sure I can. And and what happens when the stress response kicks in for me personally is, is if I let that take over, that can become my identity. So my breathing can become very shallow. I can get really panicky. Then you get into tragedizing thoughts and you're like, oh, it's all just going to be awful. And so we do get that. And, and that is in itself is a strength because the reverse of that is, 
imagining you can do everything and believing you know everything and be- and there's no room for growth in that yes yes so there is something about embracing that moment of of doubt mm-hmm. and then but not letting it become your identity so just acknowledging that and going oh and 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 some 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 work i do with those i, I work with is around the language we use so if i say oh I'm so not capable of this. My brain takes a message from that and says, oh, yeah, you're not capable. If I if I say I'm feeling at the moment like this is a big task, it's a slight, it's a different framing for my brain to process. And then pulling that back and just saying, okay, so let's break this down and look at what's required. So what's the expectation and what can I bring to that and where are my strengths? And it's slow down the thought process because what happens as soon as I go into self-doubt, my thought process races with doubt. And what I need to do is slow that back and breathe into strengths and acknowledge that, oh, this is different. I've not done this before. Okay, let's break it down. How can I go about this? Mm-hmm. For some people, they need that they, they get strength out of anchoring into all their other successes. My personal preference is to anchor into the distress of not knowing. And just breathe it back into how do I break it down and how do I get a, get to a place of knowing? Because just because I can do something over there doesn't mean I can do this because my brain can go into, well, it's so different. I don't think I can. That was good. I'm not sure this is. But, but just to stay in, it's going to be okay. What was the path you took to get so wise about this? So I did a lot of stuff, Melissa. I I. I think I was promoted too soon. You know, you get those moments in life when you realise that you're a bit young and those around you are not as young as you and know more than you. And and I felt at that point in time I had two choices. I had the choice to pretend I knew what I was doing. Such a bad choice. If you're ever in that position, Never. don't don't get there. And the other one was to use the to to tap into the people around me and and be be honest in my not knowing and I think that was really good learnings for me at the time and also I recognized the goodness in people people do want to share they do want to teach if you're willing to listen and and hear and learn and so the pathway I took to that was slow down and own the not knowing and this is really hard at the executive table because um the things that fly in the face of that are expertise. When I'm an expert, I don't ever want to say I don't know. My age, when I'm older, I don't want to say I don't know. Um, and so it becomes hard. And then if I add into that seniority, as soon as I become to a senior level, again, I don't want to say I don't know. And so being curious, anchoring into curiosity a lot. So when I hit something I don't know, noticing the sensation of feeling discomfort, but then moving into curiosity. And I call it like the furious, curious conundrum. You know, like if I don't, if somebody asks me something or questions something, I could get cross about that. How dare you? I, I know myself. How dare you question me? Or I could get cross with myself. How dare you not know this? This is ridiculous. Or I could go to curious, which is a learning place, a place of that's so interesting, Melissa. I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. What? what what's brought you to this thought and just go into curious and so stay in that and notice when I step out of that I think is is what's really helped me on that path um and I think being okay with it 
being okay with that being the path. Mm-hmm. And the other thing for me is holding lightly onto what I think I believe, you know, because I only believe what I believe through the lens I've, I've viewed it. And so if I hold that too tightly, that becomes really constraining. So loosening that up. And there's um, there's some great work been coming out of Duke University under Professor Mark Leary around um, intellectual humility, mm. which, of course, is the, is the science of sitting in a space that says, I'm going to learn something here. Yes. And it's a very different thought process because it stops me listening to speak and makes me listen to learn, and they're two different things. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to finish the conversation that we're having today because I think <laughs> it could go on for a really long time. Don't worry, we're not finished yet. But um, what's going on, you know, you're, you're in touch with a lot of senior professional women through the course of what you do. What are you hearing right now? I'm hearing that... Um, we we galloped to a really fast pace in covid you know so so coming up to covid people were running fast and i don't mean running fast as in busy i mean running fast as in workloads were high output was expected the economy was was facing facing into some struggles and so people stepped into a crisis kind of management place which is you know survive or die and then COVID hit us, and then we try to navigate how we lead businesses and people without seeing them. And so we were already running in a state of crisis, and that was accelerated. And where relationships weren't necessarily good, they became more fractured. And where we were relying on the fact that we knew each other well to get us through, we now knew each other less well because we weren't together as often. And so we then sat in crisis, but different crisis because it didn't feel right. And we had whatever was going on at home impacting us. We had whatever restrictions we were living under it. So we were suddenly now we're on hyper alert. And now we've stepped into um, an, an yet another frame. So, and we don't know how to navigate this one either. And so the crisis, you know, almost if we were in that fire warning stage, you know, like we're, we've been on red for a long time now. And so what I'm hearing is people struggling to navigate what's expected now, the discrepancy between what's expected in one organisation and another. So I'm, I'm talking to people who live in homes with where there's different expectations, so it's no longer simple. I'm living with people who I'm working with people who uh, for whom business is hard and only harder because we're now in the post COVID world. And so I'm hearing people are stressed, people are in crisis, but nobody wants to say that. So everyone's like holding on real tight to I'm fine. And when you unpick that, that becomes harder. And I had a session with somebody a few weeks ago and I just noticed that that she just kept doing this, you know, she just kept rubbing her, her eye and it was a really strange um, gesture that I'd never seen her do before. And so I just reached across the table and I'm not advising anybody to do this because this is very situational, but I reached across the table and I said, just give me your hand. And she, and she held my hand and promptly burst into tears yeah. because she was holding on so tightly to everything's okay. Yes. And 
and she isn't okay but but if we don't notice that and and that's what i mean by situational and emotional awareness notice the tiny things that you just say instinctively i know this is not there's, there's something here that i don't i'm not seeing or i'm not hearing how do i break it how do i break through that so that we can have the conversation that will matter um and so that's important mm-hmm. um you know you you don't have to look far to see some of the statistics about women leaving the workforce oh. as well and leaving citing kind of burnout or lack of opportunity i just where you know where do we go from there what sort of leadership are we going to need to get us through this i think my first reflection on that, Melissa, is it's not just women who are struggling. Um, I yeah. think men are too. You know, I do think yeah. that that that's a general struggle. Um, how do we get through this? So, in times of crisis, what we seem to value highly is that hard edge, get stuff done, cut through the nonsense. You know, that perceived nonsense. But actually, I think what will get us through this is care like that fundamental heart-to-heart care, like I genuinely care about the human in front of me. Um, and in that care, you are able to drive inclusion and diversity. So if I understand you and care about you, I can know what you need to be your best self. And so opening that that box of diversity away from the, the boxes or the categories we we put diversity into, but just thinking about what does Melissa need? What does Kay need? And the ability to flex with that to get the best from from each other. I think that will get us back to it. I do think there's probably a grieving process that we haven't gone through yet. You know, there's so many people holding on so tightly that they haven't had that moment to let go and grieve. And we're back to care because if I care about you, I recognise that that's a normal part of, of what we're going through and I don't judge you for it. So you're allowed to have that moment. And then we work out how we bring you through. And so I think the it's counterintuitive, you know, so getting really clear about KPIs and deliverables and all of that is is necessary in business, but we have a group of humans who are who've gone through a really tough time of late and we need to tap into heart. How do you break the cycle on it? And I say that because, you know, you almost see the cycle go through around um, the leaders where expectations have escalated a lot. Um, you know, a lot of leaders are dealing with mental health issues that perhaps they don't necessarily feel capable of dealing with. And then you hear from leaders, I don't have time. I don't have time. You know, my own workplace is yeah. so much. I don't have time. Where do we break that? Who breaks that cycle? How do we break that cycle? Some big questions you contemplate this afternoon. It is a big question. And I think um, I think we give we have given over power to other people to a degree so I'll I'll quantify that for you and I'll say um if I see my diary as something that other people navigate for me and put stuff in and I have to go to everything then suddenly I've given over the control over my contribution and so pulling that back and carving out time for thinking like I don't think I've spoken to a senior leader of late who has who doesn't say something like I just haven't got time to think And so carving out that time religiously, not by accident or not by not incidentally, but consciously carving time out in the diary to say this is thinking time. Now, will you do it all the time? No. 
Will there be times you break it? Yes. Will there be times when you eat into that? Yes. And that's because we're human. But consciously carving out that time for you to think. Also, um, thinking about, I call it like the incidental care stuff, but um, carving out time to do that as well. So carving out time to go, I haven't seen Melissa for a couple of weeks now. I'm going to ring her up and not out of hours, you know, yes. ring her up in the in the workday and say, haven't spoken to your ages. How are you? It only works if I don't have a secondary agenda, which says, and can you send me the project plan? You know, so you've got to do it. It's got to be really balanced. So I think carving out time for thinking, carving out time for care are two of the things that help break the cycle. The other thing that plays into this as well is, is um, sometimes we sacrifice ourselves to the needs of others because people have invited us, so we say, therefore, I have to go. But actually looking at it and saying, what's the contribution I need to make to that? And is there a contribution? And being careful about how you withdraw from some stuff. But you don't have to go to everything that's in your diary. Because if you do, you're you're feeding into that cycle and you're not breaking the cycle. So if you truly want to break the cycle, notice who you haven't spoken to for a while. Notice who you haven't seen for a while. Notice who's looking a bit like they haven't slept on the screen and find time to say hi and carve that time to step back and look at your to-do list or look at stare into the sky and say where are we trying to take this thing mm-hmm. what are my options on it you know just time time to I love the, uh, I love the reminder I think for people around the personal agency on that um, you know you, you have to you have to do something um Kay I just want to say if I say to you two reasons you think we don't have more female CEOs and then two things you think we can do about that I think females are not seeing at the top a pattern and a rhythm that they want to sacrifice their lives for. Mm-hmm. So do I want to do I want to be at my desk at six every morning and the last one to leave the building? And especially off the back of COVID when we've got closer to our children, you know, whatever age your children are, everyone will tell you they've got closer, for better, for worse, we've got closer to each other. And so I think females are looking at what they are seeing and saying, I I don't actually want that. That's not what I want. I think we're also seeing um, women are less comfortable to pretend they can do stuff they can't, you know. Mm -hmm. So, again, what they see modelled and what they see, the behaviour they see, and they go, that's not what I want. I don't want to spend my time doing X or doing Y. and so. Then when our females are making better choices about themselves and the workforce is losing out as a result because we're not making it easy and accessible for for them to be part of the workforce and for it to match and honour their lives. And I think there's something as well, Melissa, around, you know, we're not good at managing by output. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is expected? What What do I think success looks like? And if we're good at that then we have better conversations which don't require you to be at your desk at six in the morning and there till late at night. They require you to deliver stuff. Yes. And when I contextualise it in that way, people can see it better. Yeah. Two things we can do. Two things we can do. Open the conversation around what remem- remembering that um, recruiting seniors is a two-way conversation. 
So understanding what it is you need from me to be successful is a vital conversation. So I push at you all the stuff that I expect from you, but never once do I say, what do you expect from me? And that's a valuable conversation. Just change the conversation. And then something I said earlier around not holding on too tightly to what I think it looks like, because if you're the right person for the role and you can deliver great outcomes, then you will create what that looks like for you. And so tapping into that as well. So it's it's conversational around what do you expect of us? What can help you be your best self? And making sure that I'm able to to notice the bias I bring when I'm judging you when you say, well, I'd like to be able to work from both of and I'd like to be able to do this and I'd like to be able to. Being open to that as possibilities for a flexible workforce that brings great value. I love that. Hey, I want to ask the final question I ask of everybody, which is from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership mean and do you think that needs to change? I think I think brave feminine leadership is being authentic to who you are and bringing this being who you are from a place of strength from the perspective of um, the things that we categorize as being feminine traits you know like the empathy like um, reflection like care like all the things that we would normally go, oh, they're they're quite, you know, tap into your feminine. Sometimes I hear people saying that makes me want to scream. But but seeing those as leadership strengths, not as female leadership strengths, if yes. that makes sense. And so brave female leadership is owning you, owning who you are, owning those things that you bring and not apologising for them, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what brave feminine leadership looks like but not to a hostage situation. So not it's not a take me or leave me situation. It's not that. It's just living into and owning your strengths and trying to drive those strengths across the across the entire leadership group, I think. I've loved our conversation. I'm so glad that you processed and ultimately rejected the vanilla feedback. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> so am i strangely enough <laughs> yeah, i can only imagine so we'll keep up with your dress sense and hopefully we'll run into each other one day and we can both get out of the car and see what's going on see what's going on down below what you can see <laughs> yeah, have a fantastic day okay thank you so much for coming and joining the conversation you're so welcome melissa and thank you peter for introducing us I'm, i've loved our time together thanks melissa And that was the end of another podcast conversation. So thank you so much for listening to the episode today. I often hear from leaders who felt inspired by the conversations and are ready to put themselves first. And so I wanted to take a brief moment just to share how I've helped hundreds of women just like you become crystal clear on the exact steps they should be following right now to lead an intentional and sustainable life without second guessing themselves so that they can maximize their influence and impact. I've put some details into the show notes and there's a link there where you can find out some more about our signature Elevate and Influence program. While you're there, take the time to sign up for our Sunday Inspiration email series. Have a brilliant day.